Last week we had talked about God is great. And the catchphrase of that is God is great, so I what? And you remember? So I don't have to what? Okay, what is it? Control. Let's say that. God is great, so I do not have to be in control. Say it again. God is great, so I do not have to be in control. One more time. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. Right now I'm just kind of like manipulating your mind. Right? I'm doing like that uh, Tony Evans thing, right? Here's the deal. So many of us don't believe this. But what I can tell you from last week is that so many of you had a Kairos aha moment. I got text messages. I got phone calls. I got emails saying, I needed to hear that God is great and I do not have to be in control. It was one of those messages that just for some reason, and it was one of those places that I was completely in the wrong frame of mind, that I was just like, I have no idea what I just said. And it's just like, fortunately, God spoke through me because my head was somewhere else. But it's exactly what we needed to hear. Because in our lives, we struggle with this idea that, that I have to be in control. That I have to be the one that dictates and controls every single thing that goes on in my life. From my home, to my parenting, to my marriage, to my vocation, to my finances to how I just live this life, that we control everything. Correct? Everyone agree? Come on, does everyone agree? Okay, I'm going to wake you up this morning. Okay? Because I'm all jacked up. I'm never jacked up on Sundays, but this morning I am. So in this, we wrestle with this idea of control. And we looked at the idea of Mary had an opportunity to choose who was in control of her bizarre circumstance. Was she going to be in control and miss out on the glory of God? Or was God going to be fully in control to live out His perfect plan? Now the reality is is that most Christians say that they want God's perfect plan, but their lives don't mirror God's perfect plan, does it? It doesn't. That we come and we worship and we give God control for an hour and a half. We give God control at our missional community. We give God control while we're serving others because when we're serving the stranger, we need His control. But I want to tell you something, people. Our control is the most dangerous component of missing out on God's awesome, awesome plan for our lives. And the beautiful thing about the Christmas narrative is that we're really thrown different characters. Let's call them characters, even though they are real people and we fully believe in the, in the Christmas narrative. We're thrown these characters that we are just wowed by. But the reality is, is that they are you and I. Little Ethan did a great job reading, right? Let's give him a hand. Yeah. Good job, Mommy and Daddy, preparing him to read. Ethan had read the story of Joseph. Let me just give you it in two two minutes. The story of Joseph, we all know it very well. Joseph was engaged. Their engagement is very different than today. Engagement today can be very easily broken and separated and, and almost like nothing ever happened, right? It doesn't happen often, but when it does, aren't you always kind of like stunned when you heard someone broken engagement? You're like, hey, how did you do that? What happened? Like, that must have been the most wild, crazy day of your life. And it actually is. 
If you've ever had a friend who's broken off their engagement, it is one of the most traumatizing episodes that they've ever gone through. But here it is. Joseph is engaged to be married. In other words, he was actually really married. He was just not allowed to live with her or sleep with her. Don't you love when a little kid uses the word virgin? You know that they're totally freaking out. Like, what does this word mean, daddy? And poor Mike's going, pass it, pass it, pass it. Keep reading. Don't stop. And they keep asking that same word. What's a virgin? What's a virgin? What's a virgin? It's like, stop. Quit it. Yeah, quit it. But in that, some of you are feeling comfortable with me saying that word right now. Right? Some of you are just freaking out of your seat. He said virgin. Okay? But in that, he is, he is engaged. And in his sleep, God meets him. An angel of the Lord confronts him. Have any of you had an angel encounter? Have you ever been encountered by an angel? Like, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to get weird or all crazy. Have you ever had an encounter with an angel? No. And if you have, it is life-defining. Now, think about not only having an encounter with an angel, but now having an an encounter with an angel in your dream. Have we ever had an encounter with an angel in our dream? Or thought we did? Sounds a little bit more realistic, right? So in his dream... Joseph has this aha moment where an angel of the Lord approaches him and tells him this crazy story of how his life is going to unfold. And that everything that he had worked for, his character, you see, in ancient times and even in the Middle East, it's very different than here. These are things that we don't really focus on or sharpen. Character, integrity, the value of your family's name and heritage. These are all the things that that Joseph was known for. He wasn't known to have the greatest construction company because that's really what he was. A carpenter was basically a construction guy. Okay, They really worked with rocks and not with wood. A lot had to do with their landscape of the day. But he was just a good average Joe. He wasn't bigger than life like a Joe Namath. He was your average Joe. And in that, he has this encounter where he's going to have to choose to step into God's calling, to step into this calling, to step into this relationship, to step into this future of unknown, or allow everyone else to have him miss the greatest blessing of his life. You see, Joseph was at a crossroads. Was, was he going to experience the glory of God in a moment to define his life? Or was he going to allow the fear of others to derail God's future for him? How many of us allow the fear of others to determine our future? How many of us allow certain individuals to have such control of our circumstances and our outcomes and our identity and our self-worth that we totally miss God's blessing? I mean, seriously, how many of us allow the fear of others 
opinions, opinions, cause us to miss out on the immediate joy that God wants us to live in every day. The perpetual joy that we're supposed to live in every single week. Or the future joy that God has already planned for us. I'll tell you this. When I look back 20 years and I see what God has done in my life, I almost feel like I've stepped on a, on a train. And in the train, I, I, I've, I've done a lot of stupid things and, I, and, I've, and I've, I've just allowed others to, to dictate how my emotional state is. But, but I came to a place that I stepped on the train and God took me full speed ahead. And when I look back, the only thing I regret is not where I am today. He's done tremendous things in my life. He took a kid that almost didn't graduate high school. Literally, I was warned two weeks before my, my graduation that if I didn't get my gym class up, okay, if I didn't pass my gym class, I had to redo my senior year. To then, through the power of His Spirit, by the pressing of His Spirit, I got my doctorate. I look at how, I, how my kids are. That in all this, that I have four kids that are just amazing and love Jesus. Yes, are they teenagers? Ben and Brandon, yes, you drive me crazy. But at the same time, I am more proud of my children than anything else. But the biggest thing that has frustrated me as I've been on this track with Jesus, just allowing Him to be the caboose driver, just driving me along, taking me in turns that I don't even want to go. The one thing that has frustrated me more than anything else is the lies that I believed from others. Not from God, but from others. And so today, the, the gospel truth that we are going to wrestle with is this. God is glorious. Do you notice that was almost in every single song that Josh sung? The glory of the Lord. God is glorious. So I don't have to fear others. Say that with me. God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. Now let's take a little Holy Spirit time out. Close your eyes. Okay, I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm not going to do anything weird. Who are the people that control you the most? What is the one thing this week that you are more afraid of than anything else? How have you allowed that one individual to dictate your self-esteem? Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you would flash someone's face, someone's name before them. That God, today, that you are going to you're going to squash this, and you're going to do something special. In Jesus' name, Amen. Open your eyes. If we are all honest with ourselves, we have allowed others to cause more fear in us than the glory of God. Is that true? Is it true to say that in many ways that we have feared others so much that we miss out on the present, the perpetual, and the future joy of knowing Jesus. 
So as I walk through this sermon, I want you to remember Joseph. I'll, I'll, I'll close it with him. But think about Joseph. None of us, none of us, have ever been in a situation like Joseph that was so critical where God's glory, God's majesty, God's power was going to drive him into the future or the fear of others were going to derail and have him miss out on God's blessing. Because the God I serve is this. If Joseph didn't want to step up to the plate, God would find someone else. Do you know that? If Joseph didn't step up to the plate, God would have used someone else. So let's just define this real quick. God is glorious. What does that word mean? During the next three weeks, you're going to sing more songs or hear more songs on God's glory, right? Gloria in excelsis Deus. Everyone's like, what does that mean? You know, it's true. It's like, yeah, what does it mean? Someone find out and let me know. But in this, we get caught up in this. In excelsis Deus. But God's glory is always right before us. And it almost sounds so Christianese to use the word glory, right? God's glory is on me. The glory of the Lord was around us. When I went to church today, it was so glorious. I looked outside and the trees and the wind and the sun and the moon. It was glorious. And we're like, great, you're way too Christian for us. But here's what the word glory means. There's really two definitions. The first, glory means weighty. Heavy. It means God's true identity is that He is so big, so much, so powerful, that when you are confronted with His presence, it's almost like you feel like something is sitting on your chest. Have you ever met one of your heroes? Maybe it's a rock star. Maybe it's an athlete. I met Joe Frazier when I was young. And I met him because Joe Frazier was a Christian. And so I was at my friend's house, and all of a sudden this monstrous guy comes out. And we started boxing with him, believe it or not. And I just remember being in his presence. He was larger than life. He was heavy. He was weighty. And the reality of of who he was was true. He was the world champ. He was the best of the best. And so when you are put in His presence, you felt that world champion. That's like God. When you think about God, when you see the birth of your child, and you feel that weight sitting on you, and you're thinking like, Creator! Creator of my baby! Creator of the world! Not just that you created out there, but you created that which I love most. You sit there and you, you are in awe. And so when great things happen to your children, or hard things happen to your children, there's this pressure that comes over you that, that God is in control, or God has to be in control. You see, when we say God is glorious, we're saying we are looking at His, His true reality. That He is everything that He proclaims to be in Genesis chapter 1 at creation. But it's also this. It means to be magnified. 
you ever magnify something? And all of a sudden you're like, what's, where's that? Remember when you were a little kid, this is such a bad example, when you used to like burn ants? I don't know if kids do that any time. So you have these little ants, and the ant went like from this big to like this big. You're like, ah! And you're trying to get the sun. You're trying to get it right. Right? We don't do that anymore. Kids aren't allowed to do that anymore. They'll be like, they'll be like gone to detention or something like that. Like, kids can't be kids. Like, we have to wear helmets and all those things. I never wore a helmet. I'm normal, right? But in this, yeah. But in this, magnifying it. When we say that God is glorious, we're saying, God, we're taking the spotlight off of us, magnifying ourselves, and we're going, bam! I mean, think about today when we were worshiping. Who did we sing about? Did we sing about Josh? No. Did we sing about Carly? No. Did we sing about Shane? All the band members? No. Even though we were looking to them, we even purposely have these up here to make sure that we're, we're singing and praising God. And in one moment, our whole church all the glory, all the, all the magnification went right up to heaven. And so when you say that God is glorious, we're saying that we're looking at the true reality of who He is. He's weighty. He's heavy. He's big. Now think about this. Who do you glorify? Or better said, what do you glorify? Do you love your spouse more than you love God? Do you love your children more than you love God? And I'll true confessions. This used to drive my wifey crazy, didn't it? Drove me crazy, didn't it? I used to tell her that I love you more than anything on this earth. And she's like, well, what about the universe? I'm like, yeah, the universe. But what about more than anything? I said, honey bun, there's nothing that can take your place but i got to be honest with you, God. God is my truest love in all my life. And it drove her nuts. I mean, we had hours of conversations about this. But here's the beautiful thing. Okay? It's totally true. If you were to ask my kids on this earth, who is priority one? My kids would say who? Brandon's pointing to himself. They would point to Sue. Because without Sue, and this is why we actually have a very healthy marriage. She is my number one. And I love you. I magnify you on this earth. Because I want my kids to know that as I look at God, it goes right down. God, my Susie Q. And if it wasn't for her, I would not have my children. And after my kid, then it's my kids. There's no one on this earth more important than my gang. The Parkers with the mascot of Jakey. But think about that. What do you magnify? Who? I mean, think about it. How many guys are ready to like to, to like just give up on life because the Giants have been so bad? Alright? The Jets, we lose all the time. It doesn't even make a difference. But seriously, we actually idolize things more than God because it gives us temporary joy. Let me read you a couple passages of scriptures. Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. When you look at this passage, it's God's glory that magnifies His creation. And too often we worship the creation more than the Creator. Next one. 
When the priest came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priest could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. You see, God showed up with the Israelites. That He actually hovered. That His Spirit was there that when people walked in the temple and you're like, wow, God is present. And there have been many times here in the plant, here even in the school building, that we have felt God's glory. It's almost like, what happened this morning? Who was here? And one of the things that I love about meeting in a school is that if we could bring God's glory into this room, we basically prepare first fruits. First fruits. We prepare the glory of the Lord to go throughout this building. We have no idea what we're doing in this building. That when we praise the name of Jesus every single Sunday, we have no idea. We have no idea that maybe, just maybe, I know this is pushing some of your guys' theology, just maybe God's glory is resting in here and keeping us here for something bigger than ourselves. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. One more. Suddenly the angel joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Who said this? The angels. The angels worship God at the birth of Jesus. Not only did did a child come, it came in a supernatural way. And this was the Redeemer. This was the Savior. This was the one that was going to be the step into all of us having perfect eternity through Jesus Christ. So think about this. God is glorious. Then how do you live your life? Joseph came to a crossroads. Was that God being so magnificent and so big and so powerful going to determine the course, the direction, the future of Him? Or was He going to allow others to dictate His future? See, God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. But let's be honest. We fear other people. And all of you who think you're so tough that you don't fear other people, I could say that there was a fear in your childhood that drove you to be a certain way. That you are so afraid of certain things that you said, I'm going the opposite direction. And that you actually can never fully be the person that you want to be because there's this fear of becoming that that person, that monster, that, that picture, that image of something else. I mean, think about Adam. Why did Adam eat? You see, Eve ate the apple because she wanted to be in control. Adam ate the apple because he was afraid of being rejected and not accepted by Eve. You see, the fear of Eve caused Adam to eat the apple. Who was more wrong? They both were. Men, don't say Eve. They both were. They both were wrong because in that moment, their hearts had been taken off the glory and greatness of God and put on themselves. You see, we allow other people to dictate our futures 
Because we are afraid of rejection and we are afraid of acceptance. And too often we allow the fear of others to determine who we are and the outcome of what the future is. Last week I read some symptoms. Remember that? Of what does it mean to be controlled by something? And that was kind of the the Kairos aha moment for some people. And so I'm going to read you some symptoms of what it means to, to have this fear of others. Listen. Susceptibility to peer pressure. I think adults deal with peer pressure worse than children. You know why? Because they never dealt with it as teenagers. And so the fear of the man, the fear of the boss, the fear of being accepted and loved, the fear of keeping up an appearance, peer pressure, symptoms, low self-esteem, needing something more from a spouse or friend. Have you ever tried to find something more in that, that spouse or friend than, than what you should or, or, or what's really needed? I mean, the reality is, is that we need people in our lives, but, but sometimes that goes to, to a completely different end. Being overcommitted because we can't say no. Any of you struggle with that? That you always have to say yes, and every time you say yes, you hate that you said yes. The bottom line is that there's a fear of being rejected. Small lies or exaggerations to make yourself look good. You ever be in that conversation where it's like, I'm going to tell the truth, but I'm just going to say a little bit more than what's really happening. Exaggerating to make yourself look good. Comparisons to others. You walk around and you compare yourself to the person that every time someone comes in the room, you you size them up. And then you look at your friend and you look at them and you look at your friend and you look at them and then you got to tell the better joke. Exaggerate a little bit more. You're at the water cooler and the same thing happens. The new employee comes in and, and they're supposed to be the superstar and all of a sudden you start dressing a little bit different. Showing up a little bit earlier and has nothing to do about performance. It's the fear that the boss will like them more than you. People make you jealous, angry, depressed, or anxious. What about you're unwilling to avoid confrontation? You crave approval. You behave differently around certain people. Pretend or hide your true self. You see, the reality is this, is that we're all broken. And we all struggle with this. I think the problem is over the next four weeks when I talk about God is good, God is gracious, God is glorious, God is great, all these things that we almost pigeonhole ourselves that, that I struggle with control, I struggle with, with the need for others. The bottom line is, is that, that we struggle with approval at some point in our life. We may not identify it, is it but, but there's something that we actually will run to more than run to God. And it's part of our humanity. But the problem is is that that these things begin to become our God. Others become our God. Controlling situations become our God. And that if we can control others, and we can control circumstances, that that in the future, then I, I can control the course and direction of my life. Greatest test. What happens when someone says something bad about you? 
What happens when someone steals your project at work? How do you handle it? Do you find that person that you can manipulate and maneuver in fear of? You see, we run to wrong relationships for this. And what we do is we, we spill these things onto our children. We spill these things onto our spouses. And I look at my life that, that one of my parents had a real struggle with the fear of others. And I struggled with it for years. And then God kind of set me free from it. And then, and then all of a sudden it started creeping in and then it leaves and it creeps in and then it leaves and it creeps in and it leaves. And, and there's so many times in my life that I'm like, God, please don't allow me to live in a place that I magnify other people more than you because I don't want my kids to struggle with the same stuff I have. And you ever feel that way about different issues with your kids? And then you see your kids starting picking up on the same stuff that you have struggled with. See, that's one of the reasons we're talking about this because we want to destroy it. We want to put it to death. You see, here's what happens when we fear others. Those were symptoms of fearing others, but this is what we do. We, we begin to smother people. We smother relationships. We try to control relationships. We have a continual sense of insecurity. We have to continually feed the need for approval. We constantly feel the need to keep the, play, the pace that we started with. You ever think of that? So many people change jobs, change, change friends, change churches because they, they kind of come in with their, their best foot forward presenting something they're not. And everyone falls in love with them. And there comes to a place where they're like, I can't keep up with this anymore. I gotta change my job. I gotta change my this. I gotta change my that. I mean, think about how quickly people are getting divorced today. Because we always put our best foot forward. And then all of a sudden you get married, and all of a sudden like, everything's changed. Things have changed. You're living together, you're sharing your toothbrush, you're, maybe not your toothbrush, your toothpaste. You're sharing out, seeing who's awake, seeing who's awake. You're doing all these things, and all of a sudden you realize like, Oh, shoot. I put this unhealthy expectation of who I am. And so you quit. There's this unrest that we have in our soul that will never go away. If we don't feel accepted or or approved of, we know that their approval isn't enough. We just keep lacking and lacking the approval of other people. And we also live in a state of low self-esteem. Now here, listen to this. This is great. This is not me. This is someone else. Low self-esteem is thwarted pride. We don't have the status we think we deserve. That's what low self-esteem is. We think that we're supposed to be more than we really are. We look at other people and we start comparing ourselves and, oh, I should, I should be this, I should be that. And that's part of low self-esteem is that, that we have this unhealthy, really reverse of pride rather than truly accepting who we are as God has made us. You see, but here's the reality. God created us with this longing for acceptance. He created us for this longing to not want to be rejected. He created us for this longing to to have to have the approval of someone. But the someone, the something, is Him. That when sin had entered the world, when humanity chose to be disobedient, something broke. 
Something shattered. It's more than just this word sin, this one thing. It's that all sin did was it opened the world to brokenness. And all of a sudden, we started going from here to here. You see, God wants us to find His full acceptance and approval in Him. He wants us to be able to find everything we need and more in Him. And even today, there's so many Christian counselors that are just spewing lies that it's not about about Him. It's about still finding your self-worth in other things. Seriously? You will always have to run to something else. Always. 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 You will, you will only be this, if you, if you feel like the need of, of approval, you'll, you'll join a club, and that club will only feed so much, and you'll join another club, and another club, and another club. And all of a sudden, your life is so busy, and all you're saying is, is I go to everything, and yet I'm more dissatisfied than ever. Because Jesus is where our approval comes from. The question is, let me just read a verse, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? Why do we fear? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? If God is for you and it says that, no, and then no, that He's not against you, then what do we have to fear? If God created you perfectly and formed you in your mother's womb, what do you have to be concerned with? If God gave you a certain intellectual status or physical status, then, then why? Why do we always live in a perpetual place of comparison and filling our need with the need of others? You see, the question is, who do we fear more? Do we fear God's greatness? God's glorious power? God's perfect plan? Or do we fear others? You see, when we use this idea of fear, we fear others, which is, which is a bad fear. It's a fear that is negative. It's almost like, I'm afraid if I don't, then something negative will happen, right? The word fear is that word that it's like, remember that fear factor? They try to overcome people's fears by, by laying them like in like this like, uh, tube and throwing rattlesnakes on top of them. Like, that's my greatest fear in the world. Don't ever do that to me. But they're trying to overcome their fears and the the reality is their fears never go away. But when you look at the fear of the Lord, it's awe. It's glory. It's good. It's like when my son comes up to me and says, Dad, wow. That was awesome. Thanks for doing that. He's looking at me in fear that that I provided something for them that no one else could. It's an awe. It's a wonder. It's a stepping back saying, God, it's yours. I don't want it. That's the fear of the Lord. Where we step back and we trust Him to move forward. But the fear of man causes us to step into very unhealthy relationships. Is anyone tracking with me this morning? Huh? Seriously. So I need to ask you, the gospel truth is this, God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. 
Do you live in that reality? That God is so glorious and so big that you don't have to allow other people to determine your every single day? Do you truly believe that God is not just your Creator, but that when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that He's your sanctifier, He's your change agent, that the Holy Spirit falls into you and you're saying, God, you're the glorious one. I'm not going to allow other people to dictate my future. And I'm going to step on the train and I'm going to start letting you change me and transform me. And when these fears come up, I'm going to tackle them one at a time. That when I have myself in difficult situations, on the verge of losing my job, on the verge of something in my marriage, in the verge of this, or on the verge of that, that in all this, that I'm not going to fear other people's control or power, but I'm going to rest that you are fully glorious, just like you were with Mary, just like you were with Joseph. And that Joseph, the only reason that he stepped into God's future was because God was so great and so glorious He was not even going to fear the people closest to Him. Don't allow the fear of humanity to dictate your life. There's one word you need to hear now that if, if you are resonating with this this morning, it's stop. 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 Stop it. I'll say this, the one thing that I have learned throughout church planting is that God has dealt with this single issue more in my life than anything else. And He's not finished But so often, it's like a stop sign pops up. Stop! 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 And there are times I stop and there's times I don't. Joseph had that moment. A Kairos moment. That he allowed the glory of God to drive him to not fear others. Here's why you live in a perpetual place of fear. God is too small to you. God's a friend. He's like a sibling. He's not a father. A good, gracious father. You look at him outside and you say like, wow, it's, yeah, it's, he was part of it, but he wasn't all of it. You see, when you look outside, we, we, it's more, and everyone's looking at Scott Hosher right there, wave to Scott. When you look outside, we think God had his hand upon it. But do we truly believe that God spoke it? In the creation. He didn't go to like a piece of clay and and handcraft it with his hands. He spoke it. And so today he's saying, stop. Stop. 
the bigger you know who God is, the more you live in awe and wonder of Him. This morning, here's what I want us to do during communion. Josh and Van, you guys can come up. We do communion every single week. We do it every single week because we see in Scripture that whenever they gathered, they never forgot to take communion. Communion is an act of worship. And so here's what we're going to do during communion today. Today we are looking at communion as an act of worship. We are looking at it that where we are taking the communion, we are going back in our seat, and we're going to stand up, and we're going to take our eyes off ourselves, and we're going to point them to the heavens. And today we're going to say that in this moment, God, I may struggle two hours from now, but right now in this moment, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what is going to happen, in this moment I'm going to practice, practice making you bigger than life. In this moment, you are glorious. You are magnificent. You are heavy. You are weighty. And that as I go into this week, as I go into this holiday season, that I'm going to begin, listen to me, The beautiful thing about the plant is that we are a discipling church. We are a church that walks you to walk with Jesus. And so all I want you to do today is I want you to practice one time, God, it's about you. You're bigger than my circumstances. You're bigger than my everyday. I want you to practice. And when you're ready to say, I glorify you, you eat. And then what you do tomorrow when you go to work, and you're feeling that pressure, you go into the men's room or the women's room and you, and you close the stall and you just say, I'm practicing it. When you're at home and something's going on with your spouse and that you feel the need to please and control, you're going to close that door and you say, I'm going to practice it. When you see your kids and they're driving you to do things that you don't want to do or, or not parent the way that you want to parent in fear that you're going to lose them, you stop and you say, I'm going to worship you. Everything. Today is a morning of practicing the presence of God. Because you don't know the presence of God. Otherwise, He would be driving you. Amen? I do this. This is how I live my life. I fail often. But I know without His presence, I'm a dead man walking. So Jesus, this morning, come. Be present with us. And may we learn to to glorify you more than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen.